Yes, it is. What else would it be but the number one podcast in the universe, yo? In the motherfucking universe. You know what I'm I saying? I said I was going to stop cursing for this particular segment. You did. Why'd you lie just to yourself like that? No one no else believed that one. Have no fucking idea. Yeah, I was going to say that one wasn't going over well. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you know, I was ke- I was checking out a couple other podcasts before I get into what we talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And they was booty. Anyway. What? Yeah, I can leave I, that. I'm like, that shit yabbage. I don't even understand it, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean... Huh? You ain't naming no names? Should, should I name names? I, mean, I would, but I ain't gonna bust no shots just yet. Come on, I got the nervous face on. <laughs> I got the nervous face on. Yo, I've listened to a couple. I listened to a couple of them too, and I'm just like, they putting me to sleep. It's like Man, they're listen. turning on. They got no style. There's no rhythm to it. I'm talking about the black Nigga. folks doing their podcast. I was like, listen. you are boring the fuck out of me. Man, and I listened to some motherfuckers that interviewed some of the same people we interviewed, and I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn. The, the, the guest was like, Are we done? You listen to Renegade Culture. Huh? Yeah, can we wake yeah. up? We yeah, yeah. Anyway, I see my man, Ed Doctor, got the cool background going right hey, there. The Renegade Culture thing shining. Renegade I look good. Yeah, Yo, is that, shine. The, is that based on the t shirt? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Doctor, have you seen a t shirt yet? I haven't. Well, I've seen the t shirt on, <laughs> on the internet, but I haven't seen one on my back yet. Because we still wait. Hey, wait, but, but, but did you see, did you see the people rocking the t-shirts on the internet? Oh, okay. I mean, you said I don't even see Kalaji with a t-shirt. Usually, once he gets, I got one right here. Brandon, yeah, he's got yeah, it on yeah. like for like a three weeks. Yeah, you got Whoa, the t-shirt wait. on. Yo, you suck. Take these. Anyway, oh, we're gonna have the models up there showing y'all what the fuck we do. You know what I'm saying? Oh. I don't think y'all earned y'all stripes yet. That's the word on the street. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. You, you ain't earned the right to be renegades just yet. Great decider. We appreciate that. Thank Yo, you. let's talk about the great show we got on. Speaking of economic, yes. e- economics, black economics, the laughter yes. over black economics. Negro I guess tonight is Jared Ball. He's back for the third time. And wait, Jared just came out he, with a new book called- Wait, the wait, Mid- wait, 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 wait. What happened? You, you said the man's back for the third time? Third time as a guest. The man just made Renegade Culture History the first guest to be up on this motherfucker three times. Repeat. Repeat. Man. And he be bringing the information. Yeah, he brings the information. So I got to give it to him. But so his book is called Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power, where he works to destroy the idea that there is such a thing as black buying power that is going to help us get the freedom, liberation. Um, so we're really going to dig deep into that book tonight. Um, mm. it's, it's controversial because everybody, I don't know, a black leader that sure. hasn't talked about what we can be doing without black dollars as opposed to spending it in these white stores or white institutions. Jared's book is saying that's all BS. That's all marketing. That's all propaganda. You know what I'm right. saying? I mean, yeah. that's going to be real controversial. But every time Jared come on here, he got some controversy with him. The first episode, first show we did, he smashed ADOS, American Mm -hmm. Descendants of Slaves. If y'all haven't heard that episode, go back, you know what I'm saying, and uh, check out what he said. I mean, he Mm -hmm. stuck his foot so far, somebody asked, that their (laughs) breath was smelling like sneaker sole. That's just the word on the street. The second show, Manny Marable got dissed, you know what I'm saying? Manny Marable got, man, he walked barefoot on Manny Marable like Kunta Kente. You know what I'm saying? Damn. Man, man, left his foot up in his chest. 
You know what I mean? So this time it's going to be really controversial because there's so many people been selling this bullshit talking mm-hmm. about, you know, if black folks poke their bunny together, they would have mm-hmm. how many fucking trillions of dollars? Mm-hmm. And that all sounds great, but we know that niggas ain't sticking together unless they're in a club or the graveyard or in yeah. the jail cell. <laughs> and hardly stick together then. Oh, so God anyway, damn, in the jail cell. Oh. I'm trying to tell you, because they yeah. forced to stick up in that motherfucker. True but that, anyway, true, true. Yeah, so yeah. we know Oprah put no culture. up in the hood. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. We know- We're going to come back with my man, Jared. We're going to yes. come back with a great discussion. Um, hopefully one day we're going to come back with our t-shirts because we here on Renegade Culture. Okay, listen, let, me, let me tell you two motherfuckers something. Next <laughs> week, to the y'all show, man. Let's rock some t-shirts. Can we, can we do that? You are listening to Renegade Culture Podcast with Kamandi, Kamal, and the Air Doctor. I hate y'all. One, two, one, two. Renegade Coach, we back up on the air. And our special guest is with us, the one, the only, Uh-oh. doctor, the good doctor. That's the good doctor. Ball. Jared Ball's in the building. Whoa, Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, hold up. Is that, that Dr. Jared Ball with the COVID-19 beard rocking? <laughs> He's rocking it. This guy got a full joint cord. That shit legal now, ain't it? That's Ooh. it. That's what it is. That's Damn. Is. Jared came out back looking and everything. Like- Man, Jared came back looking like a Shiite. What's happening, man? <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to the Sunnis, though. Dude, let's not, let's not start that hey, up. Let's not start that up. Hey, man. I'm, I'm all day, a day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just saying. You look like, you know what I mean? You start no to no your head five times a day. Yeah, we no. ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> we ready. Jared Ball, what's happening, man? Man, it's a pleasure to be back, man. I love, I love the show. It's always good to be back on. I appreciate it. Man, it's like your second home over this motherfucker. I don't know where else you live. You know what I'm saying? I, know, I hope I know. so. Nowhere. Where yeah. else? He's so, like, I mix know, renegade culture. That's going to be that's I'm the name trying. of the show. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Them. That's what I, I'm yeah, that's what it is. You're going to be like, I mix, I mix renegade culture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, doctor, we had to get rid of your ass, though, because, you know, oh, started no, off with too no. much cargo. You know what I'm mean? trying to join. I'm trying to join the crew, not replace the crew. Hey man, listen, man. You know we. You know my man ain't Ice Cube, so he can. He more like MC Ren, so we kind of we can do it without him or Yella. Right? Oh man! Wait a minute. I've been on. If I can stay, I'll die. You say, brother? I've been on. I've been here for five minutes. And you taking shots at Sunnis and Ren? I mean, oh, nah, nah. That's all family, here, man. man. It's all family. <laughs> We're in the building. We're in the building. That's how we do. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying? Good to see you, man. Um, the book yeah, is out. The book is hard. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The myth I mean, and be... propaganda of Black Bind Power is the name of the book once again. That's a serious title. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's that's, that's just jump in, right? I mean, let's jump in real quick. Sure, sure. So, well, yeah, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. You, go, you was going to say. No, I was just going to say that, 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 you know, I like to always point out that the reason, you know, it's titled that way is that even though we're talk the, the, you know, nominally or ostensibly there's some discussion of economics, I think the real issue is about propaganda. And I think that's, that's the, almost the bigger concern. Cause once you look at the issue of the money, it's kind of, it's really kind of easy. <laughs> I mean, everything else is just the, 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 the confusion developed around it, uh, you know, but, but yeah, so. Yeah, but I, I want to say that, uh, I mean, you, you're going after one of the fundamental kind of like pillars of like uh, a, a black thought. And like you said in the book, 
all the way from like the left, the nationalists, socialists, capitalists, whoever we are. I, I, I did it. I was on an interview just uh, earlier today after I read the book. I still pushed it out there a little bit more. I was like, oh, damn, that's right. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be a myth now. But you talk about the black buying power, how everybody says that we as a people have a trillion dollar worth of uh, buying power. And if we only harness that money, right, we could be doing this, that, and the other, as opposed to depending on the white man, uh, whether or not it's his capitalist system, his consumerism, his, his, his corporations, we could be doing so much more. And so in, a, in, in essence, why don't you start by telling us why that's a myth? Well, the, the, the easy part is, is, is simply that we don't have, uh, we don't even earn collectively a trillion dollars a year, much less can we spend it. Uh, so that part is easily dismissed. I think that we're somewhere around 800 billion just in earnings. Uh, so that the idea then that there's somehow power behind a community spending every penny it somehow earns and then some on products that they have no control over uh, with returns that never come back to the community, it, 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 it just doesn't make any sense. So the only reason, uh, it, you know, but the confusion is around just that point. What does power mean in the phrase buying power? Uh, and in the phrase buying power, power does not mean what many of us, you know, naturally would think it would mean. Buying power in the phrase buying power refers only to the ability of any group. Uh, and every group is assessed. I mean, even groups we don't think of as groups are assessed. I mean, they break down every, you know, like, like, like tight jean wearing millennial males born, you know, on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Oh, you mean like, Kalanji. they break it down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They need to know what Kalanji's people are doing. <laughs> wow. Hey, Jerry, you ought to know better about that. I don't even know why you get with this cat over here. Who Who's the king of the tight jeans? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, the uniform, you know, you know, it took me so long to get down with community movement building because the uniform oh is tight jeans. Oh I was like, what God. the hell? Like, man, look, man, I can't get with these. You know, I'm a black man. Stop you know, it. We don't know to throw them you know off too saying? much. You're, you, you know got to one to Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, but, no, but I'm serious. Like, every, every group is assessed for buying power because the people that are doing the assessing are marketers and advertisers and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the psychological warfare specialists. Uh, mm -hmm. They want to know. Uh, how to target their messaging to to attract spending to every segment of the community. And this has been going on for a very long time. The problem that I think that we have, and this is really, honestly, I didn't really, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to track this for about 10 years and I hadn't really looked at it and thought of it quite this way until I started really sitting down to write the book that, that the real, I think the unfortunate biggest problem that we have in terms of this particular issue is that it's the commercial black press that helps create the myth so that they can attract white corporate ad, ad revenue by projecting a, a mythological image of black people as being able to buy all the products that white corporations have to sell. So it's this sort of unholy relationship um, that has led to the echo chamber that results in all of us from you to me to Garvey and Du Bois. I mean, I thought it was funny that this is one thing they grew, they at one point agreed on uh, uh, because the myth is just everywhere. Uh, uh, and, and after the Second World War, which we can come back and talk about, that's when it really, you know, 
you know, went hyperbolic and, and has been, I think, punishing us uh, severely ever since. Do you, do you feel that part of this whole myth, um, you know, we find that oftentimes in the quote unquote conscious community or amongst black people, we come up with these uh, vast, large ideas and feel good speeches and, and hype promotions and all that type shit to really just get our people in that, in that frame of mind. Do you think that that's one of those particular cases? Because, you know, we kind of go there for like, uh, you know, I I was reading how you kind of talked about just the, uh, like the encapsulated organizations, how they attempt to use it as a tool to build their own shit. Is that kind of- I think everybody, you know, again, across the spectrum has used it for for different reasons at at different times. And not everybody is the same. So I'm certainly not, you know, you know, I'm certainly not advocating or arguing that just because Marcus Garvey at one point believed in buying power that he was the same as a Jay-Z or, you know, something like I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that that the 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 pervasiveness of the myth. And then really if we look at the media environment that has developed, you know, to aid this along, like like this this is part of the problem. But certainly, look, there are people who want a good applause line. I mean, look, I've been stuck in front of a room and felt like, hey, I feel I need to say something to get the crowd back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm, you know, you're looking for that line. Like, what is it? I need something to grab people. And then because this myth is just kind of hanging there, dropped in front of us so often, people can just grab it real quick and say, look, if we just harness it. And then, you know, and then sometimes people use it, I think, abusively to suggest that that we're ignorant and stupid and financial, you know, financially illiterate and not capable of figuring this thing out. Uh, uh, But certainly that's part of it, man. I mean, you know, uh, people are sometimes just looking for that applause line. They're looking for the the amen line in in church. I mean, they're looking they want it. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Uh, I just want to help. You know, I want us to find something more substantive to rally the troops, you know. Right. Play, playing Crackers Advocate, right? You have all these <laughs> folks, you know, you got the Boyce Watkins, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got the Claude Andersons and you got a few other folks whose names aren't really worthy of mentioning on Renegade Culture because we, mm-hmm. we, we hot like that and we can't right, make right, motherfuckers right, right. hot who is lukewarm. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, a lot of these folks are making uh, careers mm-hmm. off of this. Um, what, what do you say to that? I mean, do you think it's, it's a, a question of them uh, honestly not knowing or uh, or them just going ahead saying, okay, boom, we're going to, you know, somebody got to lead the sheep. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to move from this black oppressor, I mean, this white oppressor to, you know, this neo-colonialist, uh, uh, neo-capitalist cat over here. I mean, how, how do, what, do you, what do you feel about that? So look, on, on the one hand, uh, I've, I've honestly tried to avoid certain direct challenges when I've been trying to talk about this 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 argument in this book, to be honest, because in in the years that I've been doing this, uh, uh, a lot of the dis- a lot of the, the confusion is born around the arguments around personalities, and and even you know sometimes I try to you know even avoid getting into my own personal politics for the sake of this discussion. Only because people then start to smith well, you know, with Jared, there goes Jared into those isms and ists that we don't like, and that's that's why he's saying this. Right. Um, uh, in terms of the two people you mentioned, I don't put necessarily Claude Anderson and Boyce Watkins in the same category, although, uh, um, but what, though they both, I think, mistakenly promote the myth for their various reasons. But I will say, you know, Boyce Watkins is somebody I've been watching promote this. I mean, he was the he was the first person I wrote about back in Black Agenda Black Agenda Report 10 years ago, whenever, when I started talking about this, 
uh, publicly because he was at that time, you know, and still is prominently placed to, I think, misreport this, this, this information. And over the years, I have to say, he said a lot of things uh, on his YouTube that I think are wildly inaccurate that, that make me, uh, I, you know, honestly, you know, I struggled to understand how he could be both the so-called economics expert he promotes himself to be and reach these conclusions without being, uh, you know, take it a, make it a political choice. Mm -hmm. uh, I even at one point was trying to look up his 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 dissertation, and I and and when I found his dissertation, I saw that it was um, I didn't read the whole thing, but a lot of it was focused on if I remember at the time taxation issues and and uh, something like that. But but what I remember vividly was that it didn't lead me to think that his at least his academic work suggested he could you know he understood or was making the right choices here or breaking this down properly. Now, again, the same could be said. Somebody could look up my dissertation from however many years ago and see that it has nothing to do with, with, with economics, uh, um, you know, directly at least, and make the same argument. But this is why I wrote the book. So people can check my sources, see mm -hmm. the argument beyond these conversations and, and uh, uh, you know. But anyway, but I, I, so I don't know exactly why Boyce or Claude or whoever are making these choices or coming reaching these conclusions. I'm just trying to argue that, that, that in this instance, I'm not even going to talk about whatever else they're, they're concluding. In this instance, they, they are mistaken, as are many people that I actually really have admired and still do. I mean, I'm not trying to say Malcolm X supported the myth at one point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amos Wilson supported the myth at one point. Du Bois and Garvey supported the myth at one point. I, I don't, I'm not arguing that we should throw all of them and their ideas out. I'm just saying on this one issue, we got to get this part straight so I th uh, because I think it's really blocking a lot of progress. But let's get uh, into the origins of the myth, because I think the origins, <clears throat> even before it was about black buying power, is about worker buying power. And I think in your book, you point out that some of this was actually set up to, to monitor what workers were making so they could, so you could sort of see exactly where they were at so they were comfortable enough um, so that they wouldn't rebel, but not too comfortable so can you talk a little bit about the origins of the myth in itself and then how it spread to the black community? Yeah, to me, again, this was fascinating for me to find. I mean, you know, the origins mirror a lot of what's happening right now and even what was happening before this crisis where the elite were saying, look, obviously we don't want to pay these people a whole bunch of money because we want to, you know, we're extractive and exploitive. We got to get paid. Uh, but we at the same time don't want them to be A, so poor that they actually cannot afford to go shopping and buy the products that they're helping produce that we at, at you know the owners and the manufacturers turn into wealth uh you know when it's consumed and then b almost equally important uh if not more important we don't want them to get so upset that they rebel and and you know of, of the many histories that are abused in this country the labor history and the labor struggle the the, the that movement history is completely abused so we, we lose all the histories of, and I'm not trying to create fantasies of interracial unity, but, but there were interracial variations of struggle, all of which were wildly radical and sometimes violent in defense of working people. I mean, again, the only reason we have nominally, at least I know a lot of people don't have it anymore, but weekends, and, you know, 40 uh, hour work weeks and, you know, child labor laws and all that kind of stuff came from like direct, you know, bullets flying fights. I mean, these were, you know, they literally went to guns just so cats could go home after like a regular day. I mean, it's crazy. 
So, so to try to put that together, the government got together with the political, I mean, the uh, economic elite, and they said, let's, we got to create cost of living surveys, and we got to get, like, we got to figure this out. Uh, and that was the, that was how it all started. And, and, and more or less, um, uh, well, after the Second World War, it got, I, I argue, kind of got weaponized by the black commercial press primarily, and then, and then weaponized even further uh, by the Nixon administration under the umbrella of black capitalism to really wipe out black power and radical movements and then to fully concretize what we see now, this idea that if, just as you were saying, if, if, if we could just figure out where to put this money, um, you know, we're good to go. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just unfortunately not that simple. So, yeah. But let's take a break here. And when we come back, let's talk about that the, sort of that origins where the black community started picking up on this theme and how it was sold to the black community. And like you said, the black press uh, sort of ran with it because they got something out of it too. So we're going to be back and continue this discussion um, on renegade culture about the myth and propaganda of black mind power. <laughs> You are listening to Renegade Culture Podcast with Kalani Kamal in the air doctor. We back with my man, my main man, Jared Ball, Dr. Jared Ball. Dr. Um, Ball. Yes, Dr. Ball, who is a communications professor over at uh, Morgan State. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And keep saying the doctor because I'm still paying for it. So we might as well keep Ooh. saying it. It's all good. My, 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 daughter, will, <laughs> my, my daughter will actually be... Uh, uh, attending Morgan State whenever uh, you guys open back, whenever Trump opens the country back up, and we decide <laughs> to keep going, you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, well, if he had his way, he'd have her there tomorrow. That's yeah, true. Um, true. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I almost said some shit to get us all indicted, so I just <laughs> caught myself real quick. So just I always, I always feel like we're one syllable away from that anyway. Man, <laughs> hey, that, that's just horrible, yeah, man. I mean, you know. It, it, Things used to be smooth until we got together with Kamal. Oh, oh everything wow. got fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was known anyway. as an upstanding citizen before I met this motherfucker. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, let's Aruba. get back to the let's get back to the <laughs> yeah. to the book. Um, okay. Cause I, I you know, so I'm gonna lead in with the question. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about it, but it, then it became this point where black buying power um, really started to resonate. So I think it was like post-World War II. Yeah. And then really started picking up afterwards with, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, a span, a, a time period of like uh, 20 years where you had the interceding civil rights movement and the black power movement. And in this challenge around black radicalism to um, uh, just integrating into America. And then the myth makers trying to find what is, again, what is that idea that makes people think they're free? Um, and how can we sell it to them? Because you, so, you, so can you talk about that, that sort of history there around uh, the myth of the black mind power in particular? You know, I mentioned it the other night when we were doing our, the, the conversation around Malcolm X, and it's, you know, I quote him on this line. I've been quoting him on this line for so many years, but it's only more recently that I've really come to appreciate just how prescient and in advance he was then, when, when Malcolm said that the United States had perfected the science of image making. Uh, what he was talking about, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm still trying to catch up to it and I've been thinking, I've been studying it for a long time, but what we really have to come to gra grips with, I think even more and more, is that after the Second World War, the United States, when it found itself alone as this, this single superpower, 
it, it was like, it, 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 it was like everybody in power said, okay, we don't want to have these direct conflicts anymore. We have, to, we have to direct even more of our energy to manipulating people without bullets. Uh, and so much money and effort. I mean, the whole field of communication studies as an academic discipline emerges as a, with the direct purpose of trying to figure out, how, we need to study how to manipulate. We need to make people want to go to war. We need to make people not want to go to war. We need to make white people coming from Europe think that they're white and, and what it means to be white here. We need to make other immigrants be reduced to something that we're calling black and what that means here. Like we, it was like, it's crazy. Never mind all the, the struggles against communism and the, the fears of third world, up, you know, so-called third world rebellion. I mean, they were in a complete panic and then went to work. I mean, they brought Nazis over, I mean, to help mm -hmm, figure this mm -hmm. out. I mean, they, I mean, they, I mean, so, and so as a subset of that, uh, 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 you know, a uh, uh, psychological war, uh, in this case, through advertising and marketing was, was directed at black America. Uh, and unfortunately there were segments of, of black communities that said, we're, we're kind of good with that and we'll take advantage of that. Uh, so emerging out of that comes, you know, at least in part, was this black commercial media journalism class. Uh, and I simplify it for the, for the sake of brevity around uh, John H. Johnson. And people should go to YouTube. I mean, just look up his video. You can watch it whenever you want. Uh, Selling the Negro from 1954. Um, and I talk a little bit about the history behind it, but the video is very clear. Uh, and it's really the, 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 what I'm arguing, the turning point where you hear buying power discussed, it, how, how it's the, the, the myth is connected to black income uh, uh, and people are, are, are you know, and, but the, the point is not that black people can use this money to buy businesses and help themselves and redistribute wealth within the community, blah, blah, blah. But to, it was to help white corporations see black America as a target. And it was to help the black commercial media class wanting to capture that ad revenue to project this black community as, hey, we're not a threat. We don't want to hurt you. We just want to have the middle class family. And I got to say, you know, I talk about Johnson a little bit, but I got to big up my, my, my comrade, my brother, uh, uh, John Fenderson, uh, his work on Hoyt Fuller. I don't know if you people can see it, but Building the Black mm -hmm. Arts Movement by Jonathan Fenderson. Uh, where he talks about Hoyt Fuller, who was the black radical counterpart to John H. Johnson. And you can see more about the kind of class and cultural politics that, that, that Johnson and cats like him were starting to play then. And that has really been perfected by, by that black commercial media class today. I mean, it's really beautiful projecting like we're all black and loving one another, but we're really selling you. And, and that's what I mean, selling the Negro. It's black, you know, and that's how media work real quick. When, mm -hmm, when you're mm -hmm. watching TV, and you see a commercial, it's not the product being sold to you, it's you being sold by the television network to the companies buying the ad space to sell that product. And that's how they look at it. It's the eyeballs being sold, in this case, mm -hmm. bodies being sold again, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it, that's really what it was. It was, it was it's, it's the black community being sold to white corporations using the myth of buying power to propel it. Uh, and then what ends up happening is many in our community, some well-meaning and some probably not, take that and say, if yeah, we yeah, use yeah. it, come to my program and mm -hmm. buy my thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then we have, a, you know, that whether you want to call it a class struggle in the black community or whether you want to call it a white supremacist taking over the African mind in the black, I don't really, I don't even care which version or what version you come up with, but there is an, an eternal black conflict that has to be discussed 
uh, I think it addressed in dealing with yeah. this in, in relative re related. Then you go into like the the, the black power um, sort of the the more conservative side of the black nationalism or the black power rights, um, also buying into this argument. So it's not just straight up the 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 yeah. the, the cap integrationist capitalist class. It's also right. the sort of narrow black nationalist class who see this black power thing as like, yes, we can build black businesses too and get money that indirect redirect that money from going to white corporations or black corp the, the black businesses. And then something that Nixon seizes on um, in terms of uplifting this idea of black power. Um, so talk a little bit about, the, about that. Why? Because uh, you, you, you alluded to it too about all these um, uh, how communications is used in terms of the propaganda area, uh, but how all, you know different U.S. agencies got involved in this propaganda in addition to the president, and they and they sold it, made it big. And I think you, in your book you alluded to also like some films where they started having casting with like black actors in the background, looking all cleaned up and new, because that was part of the that was part of the, the idea of selling black folks as consumers. Part of the packaging. I mean, that's what I, you know, it's, it's wild, you know, like, like, um, it's funny, you know, years ago, my mother used to work as an, as an extra in film. She was just trying to be around movies. And, and it, it was the first time I thought about what it meant to see the people in the background of a film. Like, they're there on purpose. And many of them are actually talented actors who are sitting in the background pretending to have a conversation so the stars look like they're in a restaurant. <laughs> and it it made me think about for the first time how meticulous a scene in a film is 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 uh, managed man, or manipulated down to the the cup you know when Game of Thrones last year or whatever got caught leaving a Starbucks cup cats got yelled at they were like so I should probably should have got fired to be honest or at least gotten some serious <laughs> like that's a major issue you, you got mm -hmm. the continuity that's your job but anyway <laughs> right. but but. Uh, uh, so it, what, what, what you're referring to is this instance where, where the, the, I believe it was the predecessor to the CIA, the OSS, Operation Special Services, so I mm -hmm. slipped my mind, but the predecessor to the CIA, where they were talking about the necessity of putting Negroes, so-called Negroes, in these positions in films so that people seeing these movies around the world, even if they don't speak English, will just see Oh, look at the happy black faces in the background. America must be, you know, must be all right. I mean, things must mm -hmm. be okay there. So they, they they were thinking about, you know, this was the role that that unfortunately we were put projected to play internationally uh, by the state to again project the the broader goal of creating this this of wedding the concepts of democracy to capitalism and freedom to the, to capitalism and saying this is against communism and we don't want to, you know you know, we don't want the radicals to, to have any room to breathe. So we're going to co-opt them by, by putting them, at least representatives of their communities in these films. And then the diaspora is supposed to see, and it's on and on and on. Today, I mean, if we really look at what's going on today, I mean, we're, we're in, it's, it's in, you know, hyper, you know, speed or whatever. Um, uh, and the process is, is, is so much more sophisticated and ingrained. But that's what they were, what they were trying to do. So then it, it became essential in this way, I mean, that's why the partnership, I mean, still to this day works because the, the, the you know, the, the corporate elite or the power structure wants to uh, create the mythology among its colonized community so that they don't rebel. Nixon was very clear. Black power is not supposed to mean what Stokely and them are saying. 
Black power is not supposed to mean socialism and, and pan-Africanism and, and radical internationalism and radical black nationalism and guerrilla warfare and all these other things that people were talking about. It's supposed to mean black elected officials and black entrepreneurialism. So he was, literally, I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was saying they were sold on the perception of black power. Basically the whole Absolutely. thing is like, you know, this is what we have, this makes you beautiful, this makes you powerful. Um, you can sell a million records, you can be a billionaire if you uh, sleep with this one and you sell that one and you go crazy and all this type of shit. Um, how do we combat that mind state? Because it, it's two different extremes. We have, you know, that particular mindset and then we have um, the folks who are diehard uh, Dr. Amos Wilson fans. You know what I'm saying? And, and many of us, you know, we love the works of uh, Amos Wilson and, and so many others who came with uh, this new mindset. It's, it's sort of, it sort of reminds me of uh, when the Nation of Islam came out with, you know, the whole uh, waking the dead, you know what I'm saying? Resurrecting the black man, the woman, you know, uh, the downtrodden and cleaning them up, putting suits on them, you know, educating them, so on and so forth. Um, that mindset is, is good for a season. You know what I mean? But when it when it comes to power itself, how does that, uh, you know, how does that uh, balance? How does it, you know? What, well, I mean, this you... is, obviously, I don't know exactly what to do, but but my, but at least my argument is, is that the, one of the, the attendant myths associated with the myth of buying power is that economics is the path we need to focus on almost exclusively to get, and once we get that straight, then we can deal with politics and everything else. That's not how economics work. Uh, whether you, you want to focus on it as 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 political economy, as uh, you know, as I think is appropriate, or if you just want to look just more directly at 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 the the relationship between public policy and where money goes and how it's created. Either way, I, that's where we need to be. I think uh, uh, going and where we need to be um, uh, more focused. Uh, the the. In other words, to say we can never catch up by playing a, an economic entrepreneurial uh, consumption game. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm not saying we shouldn't buy black and bank black and all of that. Uh, but we, I think, have to recognize all of its limitations. And if we start to understand how the economy works, how banks work, uh, I talk a little bit about that in the book. The sources I cite do way more work on that. Um, Marissa Baradaran, Earl Ofari, back in the day, the myth of black capitalism. I think they've already they've already done the work to show that these 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 plans don't work. Uh, and it's not because we're stupid and don't know how how to 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 survive. It's because we don't really have the political power that determines everything from banking regulation, how money is made, where it goes once it's created. Uh, uh, you know, how things are taxed, what, what tariffs are put on what goods. I mean, all of this, you know, how, where you can even, there's a great scene. I don't know if you all, if you all saw this, but in that movie about, uh, um, with, with Michael Keaton about the founder of McDonald's and the battle of the dude that stole it from the actual, there's that scene where he goes to, to the bank, the dude that takes it over from the original, and, he, and, and the dude, the, the banker tells him, you're, you're, he tells him, you're trying to deal with this as a, um, a restaurant or a money problem, which you should be looking at as a real estate problem. And he told him, if you buy the land at the McDonald's, then you lease that to the McDonald's, and then you have more power than they, you, you take. In other words, he was showing him politically 
-hmm. get the land, get, and it wasn't just money thing. You got to get the zoning rights. You got to get the, you, all of that stuff requires a political apparatus and support. Then you have to have the political power to get the loans, to get the, the and all that stuff. Black people don't have any of that. So, so we can't play that, that game. Uh, what I think we need to do is play the only game we have ever played, which is what I've been able to play, which is what uh, Nixon and them were trying to discourage by this promotion of black capitalist mythology. Uh, and that is where our only power is. It's in social, political movement and organization. That's the only power that we actually have, uh, 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 that we can actually marshal to do whatever it is we think we want to do. None of the plans that we have, even those who disagree with me and say that we do need these economic models first, even that requires a level of political organization that we don't have. Whether it's a boycott or a, a banking black, a buying black campaign, all of that requires levels of organization we don't have. So I'm fine with people going in that direction if it's going to help people get organized into to, to, you know, uh, to doing some things. Uh, I, I then think that that organization would have to go elsewhere to address the political system and start. And then I'll end here, like Stokely Carmichael used to say, uh, Kwame Ture used to say that he, he said, we don't own any property, so we should run for all the local offices, take over all the local the electoral uh, political offices, and then raise the property taxes on the community and, and live off the white owners of the land. And he was making a joke, obviously, but he was really talking about how the system works. And that would be, I think, a more accurate trajectory to move in, uh, even in 2020, uh, than going back to these fantasies of, uh, you know, pooling a, 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 an amount of money that we actually don't even have. And, and that's amazing. I was going to say it's amazing because of the fact that you hear folks talk about manufacturing, production, distribution, and all that type of stuff, when we have absolutely no control on a local level, but we're talking about controlling some shit on an international level. You know what I'm saying? That's like the whole going back to Africa thing. But hold on, y'all. Before, yeah. before we get into that, let's take our last break and come back in the final segment and then get deeper, deeper into that and deeper into some of the, the ways in which the, the myths impact our larger community and our organizing. So we're going to be right back on Renegade Culture. You are listening to Renegade Culture Podcast with Kalanji, Kamal, and the Air Doctor. Renegade Culture, we back. We live that. and direct. Uh -oh. That's right. Okay. okay, okay. Who's that said that's right? Man, that was kind of. I, did, I I agree with you, brother. That you. Okay, you, okay, okay. Came rough. back to the Boris Karloff voice. I was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, fuck is going on around here? You know what I mean? Like smoking some weed because you always fucked up. So it's not even start that. <laughs> nah, I, I don't. I don't smoke anymore, brother. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm fasting. <laughs> hey, before we start, can we uh, do a bowl question real quick? Uh, Man, fuck your bowl. But anyway, <laughs> the, the myth of an orange candy dish called that shit a bowl. See, that's that's the white man wants you to think it's a bowl question, brother. Right, nah, uh, go ahead and do your thing. Plays out. All right. Does it make sense to buy land when it can be taken from you at any time in America? Does it make sense to buy land? You, Dr. Jerry Ball, would you like to start with that? Because, uh, you know. Well, my, my, my criticism of the buy land question wouldn't be about it being it being taken away. It would be about uh, what land is there to buy, number one. I mean, we already have a situation where four white men have more land than all of Black America combined. Uh, all of the more prop, uh, arable and producing land is bought up, and it's not going to be offered up for sale to anybody to to be turned into something, you know, that could be, you know, uh, revolution, turned to a revolution for black people collectively. 
but but uh, if if it is possible, if someone could afford land or whatever, I think that's something probably a good thing to get. It's it can be taken away, but not as easily as so many of the other things we might buy. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, this is why people hate you, though. This is why they hate you right now, because you take away all of the all you take all away the all of the ideas, the myths, all the fun about all how the we're going to get free. All the cornbread, <laughs> all like, the chitterlings. What happens? Like, so I'm interested. Uh, I mean, that's a great. That was a great question. Surprisingly, I was, um, I was fucked up. So I was confused. I didn't, wow. I didn't expect. I expected the normal bullshit to come out of his mouth. Yeah, I was, I was shockingly <laughs> surprised. I like, this motherfucker been hey, paying hey, attention. I know. It's like his mama must have wrote that question for him or something. I know he didn't write that. You said you knew somebody smart was going to be on the show. Yeah, not somebody. Obviously not you. Not Morris Brown. Yeah, no Morris Brown. Yeah. Anyway. You talk, I mean, when you, you talk about buying land, we go back to things like Black Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. So what do, what do you say when folks are so, you know, they, they, the, the belief that we've created already these economic um, uh, enterprises or collectives that had strength and obviously um, uh, in, 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 the, in the telling of the story, it was only because the white man knocked them down, you know, illegal and extra legal with guns and coming in, right? But the means to do that was there. We were doing that. Um, if, if it was allowed to grow, it would have been this sort of great utopia in the future um, for black folks to sort of jump on and duplicate. So what do you say when you hear that kind of boom, 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 Black Wall Street, we can do it? I, you know, obviously that's one of the first things people have been bringing up to, to respond to me for years. And I think, unfortunately, I think it's like a lot of things. We don't look carefully enough at the situations that we're talking about. So I, I admit, I don't, I don't, I don't take enough, I don't deal with this in the book. So, so mm -hmm. I, I, and I would love to at one point come back and deal, do a, a, maybe a part two to talk, talk more specifically about these issues, these instances. But the reality, the broader uh, uh, outlines that I do draw in the book, uh, explain the situation that the so look the, what I've come to realize is, is what I think I've come to realize is that that unfortunately the terrorism that that the Klan and, and, and whoever uh, waged on 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 Black Wall Street in Tulsa and wherever else these instances picked up uh, the terrorism the the more almost damaging terrorism is in the long lasting impact it has had on the historical uh, history historical memory uh, of our community. Um, and the economic analysis of our community, because what I think what, what they really did, had those terrorists not done what they did, we would have seen over time that those communities would not have been able to expand economically in the ways that we think. And they would not have created uh, without some unless, uh, uh, a more aggressive public policy development within those communities to redistribute whatever wealth was being created. They would not have created a, a, a collective uh, uh, wealth or, or, or improvement that, that I think we that we fantasize would have been the case. W what often occurs is, and, and Earl O'Farri and others drew this, tell this history very clearly, we get a few people, black people do very well, a black bourgeoisie, as Franklin Fla Frazier most popularly called them, and then the rest don't do well. But the real reality, I mean, beyond that reality, for me, in, in this myth is that it also the, the terrorism and the destruction of those communities also aids in the, the the flourishing of the mythology of the circulating dollar. And had those communities not been destroyed, the dollar would have circulated, and they would have done. 
But that's not how wealth is created. Wealth is, so as Marissa Baradaran puts, I think she puts it brilliantly, you can segregate people, but you cannot segregate money. Wealth and capital, and with all due respect to the, the critics of Eurocentrism and Marx and all of that, that people should read Marx, because Marx is exactly right. Capital is, is what, what the fundamental nature of capital is it must move. It must be reinvested. It must keep going. It can't be saved. It can't be circulated in a small community of mostly and relatively poor people. It must be, in, so in other words, the, the, uh, just an example, Tulsa would have been cut off from the national and international economy. They would not have been able to, to pull that wealth and invest it in, a, in, a, in, the, in the larger economy to have it return wealth back that could be then reinvested back in the community the way white communities and others are able to do for certain segments of their communities, not everybody in their community. A lot of white people are not doing well. A lot of Asians and others are not doing well here and back wherever they're coming from. So, so we, we have to be clear that nobody, even whites in a white supremacist system, even whites are not collectively, uh, uh, unless compared to us, doing well. I mean, they're struggling. So, so we, we have to understand, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm rushing a little bit here, maybe not getting it in exactly the way I would want to, but, but I want us to be clear that, that as clear as I can, that that uh, uh, when we look at those instances in Tulsa and elsewhere, we have to be very critical of the stories and the fantasies we're being told about what would have been a potential for them to expand and to grow. Very quickly, we have to think of it this way. People talk about it all the time, well, we, we, instead of buying Nikes, we should have our own shoe company. You have to think about it, what, it, what goes into not only the public policy that goes behind uh, uh, Nike being able to establish its factories all around the world, uh, to exploit workers elsewhere. Yeah. But in, just in terms of if, if we started, if, if, if you, Kamal, started a shoe company, we all started buying your, you know, your shoes. You ain't buying that Who was, shit. Huh? We ain't buying that shit. You're buying that, baby. You're buying that. You're buying my shoes. Black people, even if every one of us bought your shoes, we are not earning enough money to, to, to buy enough of your shoes, to create enough wealth for you to, to expand your business so that you could produce enough shoes for all of us to buy. I mean, that's the other part that people keep forgetting. At some point, the business has to expand so that it could produce shoes for 40 million people. We don't have that capacity. We don't have the capital that would re require to invest into that. We don't have the public policy connections that would allow that company to set up a shop because nobody's going to want to do it here. You can't, buy, you can't pay American workers a $20 minimum wage and have them buy, pay, make your shoe if you want to sell it and make the money to rival Nike. you got to have a Korean making five cents a day and whose lungs are exploding from the factory glue and all of that. That's who has to make your shoe. So, so this is what I'm saying, like this, in, in this COVID crisis, I'll stop here. I think this is a great time to revisit all these questions about how the economy really works, what role consumption plays in it, uh, and then what we might want to start to do going forward, because clearly we're going to need to do something new, because uh, uh, as bad as it's being reported, I know it's actually worse in terms of what's happening in the streets now with, with people's uh, uh, incomes and jobs, et cetera. So the folks who say uh, desegregation was the worst thing to happen in America, uh, segregation was good for black folks, this and that, what, what do you say? Well, I think, again, there are some mythologies that are born around the, 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 the memories of segregation. And yes, there are certain things that were better there, you know, in terms of, um, you know, tight-knit communities, communities uh, right, right. seeing black people, you know, take care of one another. And, and clearly, when I read about the histories of the school system, it seems that what was going on there was much better. But economically, 
it's a fantasy again to think that that segregation again you cannot segregate money so you you can have people segregated but if that community is to enjoy the 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 productive uh, uh benefits of their own work and the work that's being done in the country that they are a part of even if segregated uh and even if abused and abused part of that country they're going to have to have there's going to have to be some kind of uh, expansion for that money to to for money to be uh, invested and, and, and doubled and tripled and quadrupled elsewhere and then to come back through reinvestments. And this is again how white supremacy kicks in. So like if, 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 if a black home is devalued just because it's owned by a black family, just out the gate, then the, the, you can see already that you're not going to be able, that, that banks are not going to want to make loans to black, black, black people to buy houses that are going to be devalued the moment they turn the key and walk in just by the fact of their blackness and then be, which of course hurts their earning income and makes it harder for them to pay the loan back. So this is why we have, this is why small banks, white or, or white, black or whatever, don't expand and don't do well. And this is why black banks can't expand and why we have the same amount that we had in 1969. Uh, because there aren't, there isn't enough money in our community to invest in these banks for those banks to flip that money into more money and then reinvest it in, in a way that will make them money back into our communities. So this is why we don't see any investment in our communities. And this is why even when we do uh, bank black campaigns and go and support black banks, they themselves can't do even what they claim they would do if, if they meant what they claim. Uh, and I just wanna say very quickly, I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't think we have time now, but, but I, I do wanna uh, shout her out again. Marissa Baradaran's work, The Color of Money, she really breaks down what a bank does and how it works and how, our deposits in black banks actually hurt them. They're not even helping them because they can't even afford to service the, the money, the little bits of money we do put in there. So, so a lot of these campaigns that Killer Mike and others are promoting are really, they're, they're fantasy on top of fantasy. Uh, and the only people that benefit, at, if at all, are the handful of the black elite, which is again, rel a relative term, and then the superstructure that benefits by having us be confused by this mythology and not doing the things I think we should be doing to become more of a threatening, uh, uh, you know, force. I think we should uh, definitely broaden this conversation because it's, it's much needed in our community. And I think that um, uh, I'm going to reach out to Killer Mike. I think you two should have a conversation on renegade culture because I, I think that, that yeah, because I, I think that um, you know. I think a lot of folk, a lot of our people mean well. You understand Absolutely. what I'm saying? And the, the question is, um, and just as, as a community itself, what are, what are, um, what are, what are our, our alternatives? I think that um, we get caught up in uh, thinking that capitalism can be used as a tool to really take us up out of here. And it can be used as a tool to take us up out of here, but not in the way that we think. You know, so I think that we should really address that. On uh, I would love that. I think you know, I mentioned them in the book. I, you know, I, I saw Killer Mike and Ti on a, on their speaking tours. You know, the last couple of years and all of that. And and it, you know, with all due respect, they they're making a lot of mistakes. And in, and and I thought it was really funny. In in sadly, ironically at least, that that in in uh, in Killer Mike's Netflix series of, of a year or so ago. I don't know if people caught this, but I mean, on, on, in one episode earlier in the series, he promotes buying power as a mythology. And then a couple episodes later, when he's trying to help the brothers get their, I think their t-shirt deal, the Crips and the Bloods do a t-shirt or a Pepsi or a soda deal yeah, or something. Soda, yeah, some soda. Soda, yeah. right. 
but he had he took them to a white venture capitalist because there's no there's no it's like he's like we got to have black owned business but the first thing he did was take him to a white venture capitalist to get funding and it's like this is what i'm saying like like anyway but but um but really what i and i and this in a, in a loving look first of all i just want to say i i'm i want to be clear again as much as i can be that i am not trying to say that that I have all the answers and that everybody who supports this is wrong in their entire life and that we all can't make mistakes and that if we disagree, we still can't be brothers and all, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not, that's not, but I, I, I am saying that I disagree. And when Killer Mike and T.I. go on, on their stage and they say very clearly, uh, uh, as I saw T.I. do at least on one occasion where they said, you know, um, uh, they were talking about economics and the hood and this, that, and the third. And they were saying, well, if you're not from the hood, you can't talk about the hood. Okay, I, I can respect that. But at the same time, that 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 uh, uh, principle is not extended to conversations around politics, economics, political organizing, and all of that. And and with all due respect for the, all the years I've been studying in, in meetings and doing, I don't see them. I haven't seen them in any of these meetings. I haven't seen them in any of the spaces I've been in. And I don't see them talking to the people who were in those spaces either. So whether it's me on your show, which would be great, uh, or or anyone else, I think that people like that should be speaking to yeah. people who are more seasoned in this work. Yeah. More, uh, more importantly, they're not even in the hood no more, to be honest. So that's well, not even, <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, it's not even I mean, act like they spending their days and like in the nights going like going back to wherever they came from to be up in the hood because they they keeping it real. Like do they buying buildings and stuff like that, trying to put up fish markets. And again, I'm not necessarily I'm, I agree with you, I'm not like all mad at that, but right, right, they can't right, be right, cutting right. off the conversation uh because they don't have complete answers to you what the questions could be just by telling somebody you ain't from the hood or whatever because i because I, I think partly what what i also hear you saying and you talked about this at the end of the last segment around policy and organization <clears throat> that the economics could matter more right it could matter in some ways if we were in control somehow of policy and organization at the same time as trying to strive around some economics because then we would have control over zoning um, or regulations and so forth, um, taxation and all that kind of stuff, which is uh, different ways in which, like how the capitalist structure does decide to redistribute resources because they'll take that tax money, build that road, allow those trucks to go down, which further you know, increases somebody else's wealth. And so it's all about that, that sort of combined effort of like what it takes to to, to, to create wealth, right? Maybe for a certain amount of people under a capitalist system, but still to create wealth. Um, it takes some sort of combined effort and you can't do it alone if you're like in this box of like, it's only gonna be this economic development because even going back to the Wall Street example, if somebody don't like your ass and they got a military or they got, they, they'll, they'll knock you down. Or if they got the laws on their side, they'll just change the laws and that'll knock you down. So unless you're able to control more than one apparatus, you're in serious trouble. That, that's the part that we're not addressing at all. You know, the, the, uh, the security aspect, because we're not, and that, that's, that's the ultimate as far as what the question the ear doctor asked about, um, you know, saying that things could be taken away. I mean, these motherfuckers take your life, they'll take your freedom, they'll take any damn thing. If you don't have uh, military and, and security and background, back some type of uh, armed uh, apparatus, then you lose. And unfortunately, we are a quote unquote minority in this country as far as uh, this frame of thinking. I'm not even gonna say black people because of the fact black folks in this whole, the, the myth of sticking together, 
You know what I'm saying? That's, That's your next problem, book, Jared. That's your next book. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. Shit. I mean, <laughs> the sticking together. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's straight bullshit because we talk. I mean, along with the whole the wealth thing, we talk about this shit like black folks are somehow gonna say that uh, you know Aubrey was murdered down in in uh, in in, in uh, where the fuck was he at? Uh, Brunswick, and and all black folks are gonna rise up. Or Trayvon was killed, and all black folks are gonna rise up. We know that that's bullshit. You know what I mean? And we know that, you know, we have issues with different enclaves. We're all in all little circles. So that 14, 13, 14% of the population shit, when we break it all down, it's like 2% of us. I mean, that's certainly part of it. That I think you both make a great point here because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the mythology around buying power presupposes that we have this, we're sitting on this pot of trillions, a trillion dollars, and we're all deciding as a block what we can do with it, or we have the, the ability to decide as a block what we're doing with it. And, and there's so many problems that some of which you just point to right there. Um, uh, you know, again, this is why I keep trying to, at least I've concluded that if we're for, for and especially in, in, in this space uh, uh, where I think it is understood for, for overt public political discussion and, and organization, if people are going to, you know, it, that will require engaging the political system, the electoral system, the public policy system, the apparatus, however people want to describe it. It will require that. It, and I think to your point, if I understood you, Kalanji, that, that, that it will also require uh, uh, on some level, some maneuvering with other groups of people if there's going to be some, you know. So this is why I just keep trying to argue, look, the, the elite have been very clear, at least with themselves, that they're going to tell us just it's, it's kind of like with culture we're going to send them to popular culture and to popular discussions of saving their money and getting their money right and then we're going to go off to the opera and to the classical theater and and we're going to capture public policy and make government actually work for us so in many ways when we you know these 2020 these quadrennial extravaganzas that i like i actually like chomsky's line on that one when he calls these elections you know, what they're really charading is, is that the elite are using them just to distract, for the most part, how they're capturing all of the, the public policy so that they can capture all the wealth that we're creating uh, and distribute it the way they want. And, and if they want to give us $1,200, you know, a couple of us $1,200, they might do it. And if they want to give a tax break to their buddies uh, and punish people like my family that are stuck in the middle heavily, then Trump's going to do that too. And we have, there's nothing we can do about it, you know, uh, more or less. So, so that's why I'm saying like uh, uh, our efforts, I think should be our public overt pub political efforts should be addressed to that $20 trillion gross domestic product that gets generated in this country every year that all of us help produce when we buy something, when we pay a bill, when we do all the spending that people say we're ignorant for doing, we see right now that when people don't do it, the whole thing collapses. Mm -hmm. So stop telling whoever in the hood to stop buying fronts and rims and, and hair and nails because if they stop doing it, this is what happens. COVID crisis has happened without the virus. It's an economic virus. So what, what we should be saying is, buy your hair if that's what you want, buy your fronts, buy whatever you want, because you're producing wealth that our public policy decisions are gonna redistribute back to us in whatever ways we decide, whether it's free education, whether it's paving the roads, free healthcare, whatever. We're gonna have so much money, uh, 
we can do what we, you know, and, but all that's public policy. It's just currently set right now to just be extracted through tax, tariffs, all the other things we were talking about to go to that top 400 families at one-tenth of 1% 1 that have almost everything in this country. Now, you know, tomorrow there's going to be a headline that's going to say, Dr. Jared Ball says, buy your hair, buy your fronts. <laughs> you know what I mean? <coughs> Fuck your toilet paper, all that shit. They, you're going to be telling Kamal, buy your tight ass slacks that you be wearing. That's right. You go to these goddamn <clears throat> corporate meetings. You know what I mean? I do, I want, I do want there to be like a, I do, like I, I do think that we should start like a hashtag respect my consumption or something like that effort respect because it should be like, respect me when I go, when we buy all the things that we say, we, when we buy that $8 Starbucks coffee, we're helping the Starbucks employee have a job. By the way, that was the, that was the, that was the, that was the unofficial contract that the labor movement at one point signed with this country. The point was, we're going to get healthy conditions, good pay, time off, all those things. And in addition to, to do that, we're going to pay a little bit more so our workers can have that. Then all of a sudden, over the last 50 years, the elite said, nah, 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 nah. We're going to externalize that, 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 uh, uh, that, that, that uh, situation. And we're going we're gonna to ship that out and make other people pay for it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So we're going to depress the wages of the workers and make people pay it, make up the difference with credit card debt and student loan debt and all the other things. And lastly on that, by the way, people should notice, if, if they haven't already, notice how often when you, whenever they can go back to the store, on your way out from the store, check in, and think back how often we've been asked on the way out, do, would you like to sign up for some store credit? Mm -hmm. um, because they, the, it's debt that they make more off of than the products that they're pushing out the door. Because all of this is fantasy. So if we're not buying, if we're not, if the money isn't moving. Circulating, yeah. Then it's nothing, yeah. So, so what I'm getting from this is we'll never have a Wakanda. <laughs> then of course, Wakanda has only ever existed by a Disney in a Disney movie. Disney that's, that's, anyway, <laughs> I mean, well, this motherfucker look like Mickey Mouse, so he might can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we renegade culture. We're gonna come back in a second. We out. We'll be right back at you. We're knocking Wakanda. <laughs> Think you're talking about Wakanda? We got Rwanda out this motherfucker. That's what's going down. Get shot the fuck up. That's how they wow. look. Wow. Wow. That's, 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 that's the reality of it. You that cross your motherfucker, cross your arms like an X, and you get a bullet in your chest. That's what the fuck they got. For well, me. my man pointed out that that's, that's Heyru's, uh, in that the Heyru's funeral pose. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. It's like you doing a pose of a dead man. You know, you like. How the, how the song go, you can't win, child. <laughs> we, 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 we fucked up in America. And I, I think the thing is, man, you know, motherfuckers got to be clear about capitalism because we are clueless as to what the fuck this this drug is this virus called capitalism it's some serious shit and it's like niggas still walk around thinking they could be black capitalists you understand what i'm saying but they don't have the fucking you don't even have the means to be a fucking capitalist fuck it's how many funny. millions of billions of dollars you got at one of these black business things that I went to a couple of years ago to talk about this after Black pa Panther came out, uh, they, one of the people there made this point and they were saying, uh, well, if you don't like Black Panther, well, you should have, you know, why don't you go and make your own movie and then we can support that. And then I, and, and I just started laughing. I said, but I said, I just, I supported the, the screen that they had up and I said, just look at the credits at the end of the movie. Look, do you notice how the credits roll for like 15 minutes of <laughs> little names on that screen? That's how much, that's how much is, goes into putting this together. We, you can't, I can't compete with Disney. Come on now. Mm -hmm. I can't go out here and make a Marvel 
rival movie, you know. Uh, um, but even if you uh, made some shit yeah. on your, if you made a movie, and it, it motherfuckers ain't gonna go see it any goddamn way. So well, it's no, like, that's his point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like even if you make it in the distribution yeah. of it, right? Yeah, well, that's, all that's, that's it too. Into it. Yeah, yeah, that's it I mean, too. Shit. But the other point I was trying to make was that Disney made its money by selling the film all over the world. They weren't selling it just to black people. So, so, so black people going to see the movie was not their goal. The goal was to create a mirage that the world would fall in love with. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, so, uh, but you know, your, 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 your. Look, this is why I, I, I was trying to point out that, that um, never mind all the other stuff, but the, the annual uh, corporate ad revenue um, uh, expenditure right now is over $400 billion a year just in this country. So people, so the amount of effort going to confusing us about how this stuff works, uh, we, we shouldn't take for granted. I mean, you know, they're putting in a lot of effort to make sure mm -hmm. that, that we, we, we can't, and it's like somebody would say, like every week somebody says, why don't you go on Roland Martin's show? Roland Martin has the you know, most popular black show, blah, 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 blah. And then I show, look at the front page. Right at the bottom of his front page, it says Roland Martin is going to help, you know, uh, show the power of the black buying dollar, the 101.3 trillion. I'm saying he, he can't, they, never mind what I think individually or personally or politically, as a business interest, the black commercial media class can't engage this discussion. Uh, because mm -hmm. they need it to attract white ad revenue. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. that's so. No wonder we're so confused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Our confusion is Should we all have the mind state of we're prisoners of war? Absolutely, uh, y'all prisoners of war. Jalil Muntakeen, in one of my favorite old videos, made it plain. He said when when he went to, to before the judge, the judge said. You act like a prisoner of war. We're going to treat you like a prisoner of war. So our, we, they, the, the state has made it clear. What again? Right. It's not up to us. They've told us this is what you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like Jalil mm -hmm. said, we have to be our own liberators, mm -hmm. and that's the reality of this shit. And I think the thing is, you know, when we speak about armed resistance, it's unfortunate because of the fact that we don't want to talk about that shit. Like you know, oh, well, there we go with this. Look, motherfucker, we can come with all the the. The, the different ideas and ideologies and suggestions. And at the end of the day, you know, there's been no revolution without bloodshed. And that's like, it's like having life without breath. You can't live if you can't breathe, motherfucker. And that's just the reality of things. And we don't want to talk about it because of the fact that it almost sounds cliche. But at the end of the day, it's like the system has to be abolished. It has to be totally knocked the fuck down and it has to be replaced. And until then, we'll just be having intellectual masturbation. You know, it's interesting you said that because uh, I, I, on some level, uh, if, I, if I disagreed, I would slightly disagree only to say that, that I don't think people don't bring it up because it's cliche. I think people don't bring it up because it's scary. And I, it, it's scary to bring this stuff up. Uh, it's scary to consider what, what would really have to be done if we really wanted to, uh, uh, the world we always claim that we want when we do whatever we're doing. When, uh, I, when and, I say cliche, when no, I say yeah, not, the country, when I say cliche, cool. it is, it is, uh, it's more of the, 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 the passive word. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like, indeed it's scary, but they can sum it up and call it cliche for right, the sake right. of, I look, I, I don't really have to get, no, they, they bugging, them niggas bugging, they ain't all, right. they ain't gonna do nothing. That means you don't have to do shit because you say nobody else is gonna do anything. Ain't hey look, I point, out, I point out in the book, and I thought this was, I thought this was 
maybe not a coincidence. The only so-called luminary that I've been able to find that, that was exactly right on the point of buying power was George Jackson. Mm-hmm. And at the end of his statement, he said, there's going to have to be a fight. They, you know, they say you have this purchasing power, but then they just inflate, you know, then they, you know, hit, hit you with the inflation and the, the, the value of that money in your pocket goes down and, or stays the same. And buying power is a myth. Uh, I mean, he, he's, I mean, he, you know, but he said, and he said, there's gonna have to be a fight. But look, I mean, but I think this is also why the myth has also thrived because, it, because it's so much easier Safe. to make the argument that we just need to be better with our money than to make other more complicated arguments about uh, public policy or certainly armed struggle. Uh, so victim. I get it. Right. Huh? Blame, blame the victim. Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, and because it's scary. I mean, well, I'll speak for myself. I find it terrifying to think, to, to think that what my conclusions or my analysis might be is right. right. I'm terrified by that. And so I, I think I can rationalize how it would be so much easier if I could just believe that we don't have to have a conflict or we don't have to have a difficult political struggle of any kind. We can just figure this out by, by spending our money better. I would, I would much rather believe that. I just, it just doesn't, it's not supported by the data. It's not supported by the research. Uh, uh, and I, I, you know, whatever I might think needs to happen or doesn't need to happen, I don't want our discussions to continue to be based on myth. So it doesn't matter if people agree with what I think should happen or what you think should happen. I just don't want the conversation to start with or to include if, 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 at least this myth. I mean, there are many others that have to be dealt with. I would like to at least get this one out the way because it's it, to me, is, is of all the mythologies, I mean, it, it's more or less relatively easier to get at. There are other ones I think are far more complicated. Um, but yeah. Santa Claus Israel. Hey, you listen like to me again. Yeah. <laughs> Much more difficult controversies to deal with. Especially coming from an elf. Uh, you listen to Renegade Culture, <laughs> where you can catch a painful reality opposed to a comfortable myth. We live and direct my man, Dr. Jared Ball. We'd like to thank Dr. Jared Ball for coming on deck. That's right. Um, Jared, won't you tell us where to get the book from? Yes. Everything about everything related to this is at imixwhatilike.org. And I just want to remind people, that's a shout out to Steve Biko when I write what I like, by the way. It's, okay. it's, I just okay. got, again, people keep thinking that it's like some selfish I, I, I thing. It's just, you know, he was, I write what I like. We were doing a digital multimedia mixtape thing. I mix what I like. So I mixwhatilike.org. And I do want to invite uh, 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 folks, if this, I don't know if, when this is going to come out exactly, uh, but, but we don't even know. We don't know either, man. Yeah, if it comes yeah. out before Monday, come <laughs> to the virtual book launch Monday, May 25th. If it comes out after Monday, go and check out what happened at the book launch Monday, May 25th, and yes. uh, which is all that I makes what I like. Org also. Yes, sir. Everybody's going to be there. We will uh, definitely. You said it's a virtual launch May 25th. Virtual launch. Yep. Let us know. We'll we'll broadcast some Renegade Culture as well. Um, we definitely appreciate you. And I like how you fixed the I mix what I like. Say, no, 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 it ain't, it ain't about me. You know what I'm saying? Steve Biko, he just figured that shit out a few minutes ago. I, I understand. It's sad that people are ignorant. They don't even know that Steve Biko. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm going to put that well, out there too. Shit, yeah. Well, well, you know, Kamal's look like more like Steve Austin, but that's another no, story. You're still trying to get <laughs> back for your tight jeans remark. That's all, B. Yo, it's Medigate right. Culture. We be back. We out. Yes, sir. We be back. We out. Hold on, man. We got to do a closing. We oh, we'll be back we next be week. Back. We'll be back next episode, you motherfucking... Fuck y'all, man. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Renegade culture.
Thanks, Jared. We'll see you next time. Man, fellas, thank you very much. I love it, man. This is great. This is Yes, honor. and we'll be back thank with the myth of Kamau's tight-ass jeans. <laughs> What's up? It's Kalanji Jamachega. Yo, with Kamau Franklin. And we representing Renegade Culture, 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 Culture.